0: Hey, Mike.
1: Hey, Jen.
0: What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To This Week, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite songs, some old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week we're going to talk about two of my favorite things, music and movies. For this conversation, I'm joined by Mike Marquardt, director of the new music documentary, The Birth and History of Western Swing. For this week's episode, we're going to discuss the music and the film. So before we jump into the music, tell me what drew you to telling the story of Western Swing.
1: Yes, uh, well, Western swing is a, a beautiful subgenre of jazz, really. Uh, it's, it's jazz music, but with different instrumentation. Uh, basically, with a string band, is how it started in the early 1930s. Uh, these uh, Texas musicians, mostly out of the Fort Worth area, took the songs of the day, the big band swing, jazz, blues, And they combined really an amalgamation of all types of genres to create this exciting dance music, uh, in 1930, 31 timeframe and it has grown all the way to today to become our official state music of Texas, uh, and personifies, uh, the Texas Western spirit, but it has really jazz roots more than anything. Um, and it's not really considered country music. Nashville has really never embraced it, but it's, it's a music genre that, that people love. And the most famous of all the, the bands from that era was Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. They were, he was considered the king. And another gentleman, Milton Brown and the musical Brownies, he's considered the father of Western swing.
0: Yes, and I think we're going to uh, hear songs from both of those gentlemen um, today on the podcast. And I think what I found so fascinating about this was uh, you say in the trailer for the film that you know Western swing isn't country music and it isn't jazz. And so it does leave it in sort of this interesting genre all to its own. Um, And you can tell that it borrows from lots of different kinds of music and you can still hear those elements in music today. So we're going to go back in time with uh, your three songs, and then I'm going to round us out with uh, a favorite hit of mine from childhood um, that happens to be a Western swing song. So with that, yeah, let's get into the songs. Um, Tell me about your first pick. This is Fan It by Milton Brown and his musical Brownies.
1: Yes, uh, Milton uh, met Bob in the summer of 1930 in Fort Worth, Texas. Bob had moved from the Texas Panhandle, and he was more of a rural, traditional fiddle music kind of guy. And Milton was the more sophisticated jazz, uh, big band type uh, crooner. He was basically a singer, not an instrumentalist. And together they formed the Lightcrest Doughboys. Milton left the Doughboys in 1932 and started the musical Brownies. And they were really the first prototype Western swing band that combined the, the, the harmonizing twin fiddles, the steel guitar, the ragtime jazz piano to create this wonderful subgenre of jazz. It wasn't called Western swing at the time. They called it Texas swing or hot string music. And uh, this song I particularly love, fan it. Uh, It's still recorded today by a lot of modern Western swing bands. It's an old 1920s jazz standard song that Milton developed.
0: Well, I can see this one, too, being a crowd favorite, especially when you think of Western Swing as sort of the purpose of it was to get people up and dancing, right, in these big dance halls. that's That was the entertainment of the day. So you think of a house party, and this is the music that filled those house parties.
1: Um, yes, and if, if you listen to the steel guitar, that was the only amplified instrument at that time. And so that was quite amazing. It's the very first recording of an amplified instrument, uh, Milton's band with the great steel guitarist Bob Dunn. And you'll hear that in this song.
0: That's great. And so, I mean, can we say, is it fair to say that Western swing sort of introduced the masses to electric guitar, steel guitar?
1: That is is correct. Ahead of the Mississippi Delta, ahead of anywhere really.
0: So I think about that and, and I think you just can't ignore this genre if for no other reason than that right i mean i feel like that's such a huge important instrument both of them all electric music you know whether it's an electric mandolin or you know we hear that sometimes in western swing um i just think that you 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 almost have to give western swing its due because uh, for the simple fact that it brought us those instruments you know
1: yes Um, yes that's correct
0: well, and I think Fan It is such a fun song, too, because I, I noticed as I was digging into Western Swing, there are some common themes. They sure love to talk about running around on your partner. <laughs> they like to talk about breaking up and making up. Um, those were all common themes. And in Fan It, you get a little bit of that, and then you get a great fiddle break in the middle. And then I just love that chorus, Fan It and Cool It, Honey Till the Cows Come Home.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right.
0: We talk about lyrics a lot on the show, and um, I think that Western Swing certainly allows you to dig into lyrics in a different kind of way. They really, some of them are funny. Some of them you can tell are, you know, from rural folks. Some of them you can tell were probably brought over from different countries. Um, and so I just loved getting into the lyrics, too, with some of these songs. And I thought Fan it was a good example of that. Now, for your second song, you picked a, a, one that's near and dear to lots of folks. Um, it's called New San Antonio Rose by Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys.
1: Well, Bob used to say in the lean years when he first moved from Texas to Tulsa, Oklahoma, he was basically chased out of Texas by Pappy O'Daniel, who was his previous boss at the light crust Pappy went on to become governor of Texas. You could write a whole documentary film just on him. He was quite the rascal, but he ran Bob out of Texas because he was jealous of Bob's success. And Bob in Tulsa uh, started the Texas Playboys. And this song really, he used to say it took us off of hamburgers and it put us on steaks. In 1940, they recorded this song in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, New San Antonio Rose. It was an old fiddle tune that he had had for many years, and they put lyrics to it, and Irving Berlin published it. Frank Sinatra recorded it. It was a five million seller for Sinatra. It was a huge hit for both Bob and Sinatra in the 1940s.
0: Well, it's something interesting that I learned, um, and maybe you can help me understand, too. I've always wondered what the difference is between San Antonio Rose and New San Antonio Rose. So that's question number one for you. And then number two, interesting fact, I also learned that Clint Eastwood recorded a version Of San Antonio Rose back in his rawhide days. Um, So I thought that was really interesting, too. And I think, again, just as we're talking about Western swing, any song that's been recorded as much as that one and, you know, has airplay still today. I think San Antonio Rose is a song that you could bring up to almost anybody. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Um, so tell me tell me what you know in terms of the difference between new San Antonio Rose and the original San Antonio Rose. Is there a difference?
1: Yes. The original San Antonio Rose is what I alluded to earlier when I said it was purely an instrumental song in the beginning. It. it was an old fiddle tune that Bob and his father had developed, and that was called San Antonio Rose. Uh, Irving Boleyn heard it and said, you need to put lyrics to this. This is a Got great it. melody. And and so they did. He and uh, Tommy Duncan and I believe his one of his uh, other instrumentalists, uh, Everett Stover. The three of them put lyrics to it and it came out with "New San Antonio Rose." And they recorded it in April of 1940 in Fort Worth. And the rest is history. That's what put him on the map and made mm-hmm. him nationally famous.
0: Well, and I love that you brought up Tommy Duncan, too, because he was a big part of the band. And I love um, that they they have they almost have like a hype man in the band. You know, when you think of like modern rap music, um, there's always someone in the back like hyping up the lead singer. And you get that a lot in Western Swing. And I thought that that was a really cool through line, too, is that would you sort of have this hype man in rap music without having you know, the old Western swing tunes. Um, And I think that, you know, especially in New San Antonio Rose, you get those rich big band horns that almost sound like a mariachi band. Um, You know, the fiddles kick in towards the middle and you just have this rollicking song that you can see people dancing all night to, you know?
1: That is correct. It was definitely, Bob's band evolved into a true big band sound by 1940. It started out in 34 as purely a string band, but by 1940, he had 20 members in the band. They rivaled, you know, Glenn Miller, Artie Shaw, uh, Benny Goodman. They were packing larger venues than those guys were on the West Coast. And so this song in all its glory has that Spanish horn sound, but yet also a big band sound. And I must say that Bob called out to all his musicians. He called their names, and that's why we know the name Tommy Duncan. That's why we know Leon. Take it away, Leon. He was the steel yeah. guitarist, uh, and Al Stricken was the old piano pounder. He called them by name in his songs, and he would hoop and holler, and you'll hear him holler in this song, and it's really joyous.
0: Well, you get a lot of that, too, um, in your next pick. Let's move on to your third song, which is another big hit for Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys called Fat Boy Rag.
1: Yes, this is the, the later era of Bob Wills in the late 40s when he had moved to Northern California, bought a ranch up near Fresno, and they had weekly transcription recordings at the top of Knob Hill in San Francisco in the old uh, St. Francis Hotel, I believe it was. And that's where they did what were called the Tiffany transcriptions. And this song had that fabulous raw electric guitar sound uh, by Lester Jr., Bernard, He was a great guitarist, along with Eldon Shamblin. Shamblin held down the rhythm guitar while Bernard had these wonderful leads that I say really helped launch not only the honky-tonk Bakersfield sound, but most definitely the rockabilly and rock and roll sound. That distorted uh, guitar, and you'll hear it in this song, has very much a rock and roll Chuck Berry type sound to it.
0: One hundred percent. And I think something that I noticed, too, is me, like a lot of other folks around the world, um, recently saw the Elvis movie, the new Elvis movie that's out. And I I was fascinated watching it because I kept thinking the whole time that this is sort of the precursor to that. You know, like if you if you went to see Elvis and you enjoyed it and you want to know about the music that sort of preceded Elvis and the way he meshed gospel and Memphis blues. Western Swing feels like a great place to start to me. Do you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Elvis recorded an old Bob Wills classic called Milk Cow Blues. That was one of his first Sun Records recordings. So you know that Elvis was definitely influenced by Bob Wills' music. Also, Chuck Berry, his very first hit, Maybelline, was modeled after Bob Wills' upbeat um, Ida Red song, so that you know that that Maybelline song they discovered kind of on accident. He was just messing around in the studio at Chess Records in Chicago. Chuck Berry was, and and he play, started playing this uh, uh, version of of Ida Red, which he called Maybelline, and 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 they recorded it, and it became Chuck's first big hit.
0: Wow. Well, and I think, again, when you listen to Fat Boy Rag, you can almost hear how much it must have influenced so many other songs. That's what I kept thinking every time I listened to it. Oh, this sounds like this. This sounds like this. You know, there were just a thousand songs I could pull out of thin air that felt like they'd been influenced by this song. It's super bluesy, but it's fiddle heavy. You know, you get that electric guitar. My my hype man is in there too. There's a great line in there where he goes, "Ugly." Yeah. <laughs>
1: and you that's can tell he's that, yeah. Bob. That's Bob. Yeah, Bob's hollering in the background. You you got to love that.
0: Well, and I just think that I, again, I just picture myself in one of these dance halls. And again, this music was meant to make people dance. If people weren't dancing, that meant they didn't like the band, you know, so you had to turn it up, you had to perform, you had to get people on the dance floor. And I think that, you know, this is a great example of how they did that. Everybody was just having a good time. And, you know, especially in the early days, when the sound was first coming out, it was during the Great Depression and after when people were, you know, down on their luck and time were tough this was a this was an escape and I feel like this song really takes you there it takes you right to the dance hall and you can sort of hear everything that's going on and then um, you shared with me too which I ended up loving um, I'm a big Merle Haggard fan um, and his band of strangers did a version of this um, that was just great as well and then um, you know I think uh, Merle Haggard I think it was told the story or at least that's where I heard it from that Junior Bernard was one of the Texas Playboys and they called him Fat Boy. that was his nickname that's and- right So that's how that's how they got the name of this song or that's what it was written about. And I'm curious, too, I noticed that a lot of the songs from this genre, um, like Fat Boy Rag, they're a rag, they're a stomp, they're a shuffle. Was that the kind of dance that people were doing? Was it the style of music? Was it the time the music was in? What, what?
1: Yes, without without doubt, they were pulling from every kind of genre imaginable. It, it's really hard to define western swing because it's it's like nailing jello to a tree. You just can't put your finger on it. They pulled from everything: Tin Pan Alley, the popular songs of the day, the big band sounds, Mexican mariachi, Czech polka, uh, German polka music. They pulled from everything, and that's that's really like you said. It it was played during the deep depression. And really uplifted people's spirits when they heard it and they just couldn't help but dance.
0: I love that. And I love what you say in the film synopsis where you say Western swing evolved with a sponge like ability to absorb a myriad of styles from black, white, rural and urban influences to create an intoxicating musical gumbo. It's just that really sums it up. I was like, that's the answer that I needed to what is Western Swing?
1: (laughs) Yes, you've read your homework quite well. Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I definitely, um, like I said, I just couldn't, uh, couldn't separate any of this from the music that we hear today or couldn't help but feel like without Western Swing, so much of the music that I love, that we all love. It's not even, like you said, I was, I was thinking this would be a deep dive into you know, old country music that I like. And really, the influence that I got from Western Swing were so many more genres than just country. You know, I had the opportunity to live in Los Angeles in the mid-90s when there was a revival of swing music, um, partially due to the film Swingers, but, you know, everybody was trying to go to the Derby and everybody was learning how to swing dance. And although that tended to be a little bit more big bandy, it, there's so much Western swinging. And I, um, I was thinking about that, too, that none of those bands would have existed without Western Swing. Um, so I definitely think that there's just so much. And, the, and again, there are so many covers, you know, so many of the songs that we love that are standards were covers of some of these old Western Swing songs. Um, I know that we, we've we talked a lot about Bob Wills and you shared a story with me that I also thought was relevant. Um, you know, even as, as recent, well, I'm sure even more recent, but there's a great... Um, video on YouTube that you sent me of the Rolling Stones singing a Merle Haggard song called Bob Wills is still the king. And that was in 2005. You know, they were at a show in Texas and you see Mick Jagger up there singing Bob Wills is still the king. And I think he even calls out that this is a song we learned from our friend Merle Haggard. And I was like, you know what, music that's been relevant for over 90 years. I'm sorry, you can't dismiss it. And you can't say that it's not worth talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was really cool to see them play that in awesome into a live audience. It's probably the first and only time they ever played that song, but the crowd went nuts. You can you can look it up on YouTube and watch it, but it's really cool to see them play that old, uh, um, it's actually a Waylon Jennings song, not a Merle Haggard song that, that, that recorded that originally, so.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, Well, I feel like everybody's got a version of Bob Wills is still the king. I've heard Willie sing it. I've heard Waylon sing it. I've heard Merle sing it. I've heard them all. (laughs) Yes. yes. If you're in Texas and singing, you're going to sing Bob Wills is still the king. That's right. Um, That's right. Well, and that's sort of a nice segue into my pick for this week. Like I said, I had the privilege of going back and sort of getting educated and and learning all about Western swing and how it's influenced everything. And we talk a lot about um, all different kinds of music on the show. And I tend to be a little bit um, snobby about my country music because I prefer old country music. I don't I don't listen to a lot of new country. Um, And so this gave me an opportunity to sort of go back to some of that country that I love from, you know, the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, And my song pick um, was a song by George Strait called Right or Wrong.
1: That's a great selection. Uh, George recorded that, I believe, in 1983 or 84, and it was a big hit for him. I, it may have been number one hit for him. He, he uh, of course, got it. He probably heard it from the Bob Wills Texas Playboys, who recorded it in the 1930s and 40s as well. But Milton Brown was the first Western Swing band to actually record it in 1934. Uh, and he had heard it from uh, Emmett Miller's old recording in the 1920s. I think 1929, Emmett did a wonderful version of that song, and, and I must compliment old Emmett. He inspired both Milton Brown, Bob Wills, and Hank Williams. If you think about Hank Williams' first big hit was Lovesick Blues. That's another Emmett Miller song from the 20s. So uh, anyway, it's just interesting how music has always evolved from a very long time ago and and it's refreshing to see such an old song still have relevance today you know
0: for sure for sure that's and that's what i kept like finding myself going back to over and over again you know um i think that Lyle Lovett, who's another favorite of mine who has a, a couple of, um, of songs that swing, um, whether he's, you know, it's him recording with a sleep at the wheel or, or he's doing some of his his version of, of Western swing. Um, he said the best music from every era survives and carries on, you know, and I think that that's a perfect uh, way to wrap up this show. I think that Western swing has proven that it's a, a genre that remains relevant today and has influenced more people. People than we could talk about on a 20-minute show. But I want to thank you so much for joining me to talk about your film and share the story of Western Swing and its influences and impact on music as a whole. Um, It was great to have you on.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
0: Keep an eye out for the birth and history of Western Swing. You can watch the trailer and keep up to date on screenings at historyofwesternswing.com. And the film will also be screened at the Lake Travis Film Festival happening September 15th through the 18th, just outside of Austin in the Texas Hill Country. And to learn more about how to attend the festival and see Mike's film, visit the Lake Travis Film Festival website at laketravisfilmfestival.com. Well, that's a wrap on Western Swing. Please join me again next week to find your new favorite song.